the Nutrivalent Report Hour 2, which is a twilight.info in Morrison, Dr. Bill, uh, science blog, and you do an amazing amount of work and uh, for your science blog. I, the amount of information you have here, obviously it's going to be tough to get it all in an hour of audio, so we continue and do a video. If not this afternoon, then tomorrow. Um, tell us the top stories you want to cover first, because I, I gave a promo of just a few of the topics, and it took... I think five minutes just to kind of mention the headlines. <laughs> you got a lot of information here. It's a, a lot of info. Well, we, well, some of it's good information, and some of it's not so good. Yeah. Well, we'll just start at the top with Zika. And uh, they've done a study and uh, published the results of that and have confirmed that <clears throat> Zika virus persists in the brains of infants even after birth. Well, we knew that. But they have to do studies in order to explain that it wasn't because of something else. Right. Oh, excuse me. And uh, uh, Zika virus replication and persistence was found in fetal brain and in the placenta. Now, you understand that they think that when sex is the transmission factor in, in Zika, the Zika virus doesn't go through the placenta. That is the lining of the womb. Right. Instead, because there's an immune barrier there, it uh, stays in the womb, and that's why they have to do a test of the cervical mucus in order to find it. Right. And, in fact, um, we know that 40% of the women who are pregnant who have this Zika virus in their wombs will uh, carry uh, Zika-affected babies. Right. It, yeah, so, uh, but it may not slip through the placenta unless there's some damage to the placenta. So women could be, uh, could, you know, we were, we've were we been talking about well, what happens if it gets to the uh, ovaries. Right. We don't think it will, except in, uh, I won't say rare cases, but it won't every time anyway, maybe 50% of the cases. Right. So that's uh, that's nice to have a study that tells us that. Yeah, I would make you know, I would just make some medical guesses as to why it might cross the placenta. First is an abnormal placenta in terms of its pods or anatomy or where it implants. Number two, yeah. trauma where she falls and has some injury to the placenta. So there's a, if you want to call it a separation of the placenta, so the normal barrier is broken somehow. Uh, and and the third area is that there may be just so much virus it can get across. We don't know. That in some cases maybe there's just so much virus that maybe it, at the right time it can cross into it. So uh, we can only speculate with these things. But the fact that forty percent means that these women are doomed. That if there's a forty percent chance that they have positive intracervical uh, mucus with Zika virus on a PCR test, uh, they're having extremely high likelihood they're going to have a child that has Zika virus, even if they don't have microcephaly. It may persist in their eyes or their brain and cause damage that's going to be cumulative over months and years. Yes, and that leads us to the next uh, article. Zika can persist in semen in, uh, for up to three months now. Uh, and I show a picture of an egg. and, and some, some <laughs> Well, it's just a graphic. Uh, but they did a test and uh, of the bodily fluids. So half the men, uh, semen, half of the semen samples tested positive for Zika at one month, and 5% tested positive at 81 days. Well, that's almost three months. Right. And there have been other reports where it has persisted in two men for six months. 
So you don't want to take this lightly, guys. You need to, you need to find out before you try to get somebody pregnant to make sure that you don't have a Zika. Right. So and, the problem uh, is now we now have proof that you mentioned all along, Anne, and you've been calling the CDC and, and the doctors and the public health. They should be calling this an STD, but for some reason or other, they're not activating STD registries or prevention or tracking, are they? No, they aren't. And I think that is a uh, black eye for American public medical servants. Now, we don't have a head of the Centers for Disease Control because Tom Frieden was let go on January 20th, and that is an appointed position. And we just got a new secretary of HHS, and that's where the CDC comes from. So we're hoping that we get somebody in there who uh, will, let's say, look after the life of the American citizen. I mean, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and life is first. And when the government kills people, well, they need to be punished. Right. I call that the, you know, that's just the, the worst thing that somebody in public service can do. Right. Um, they also looked at blood samples, and they showed uh, Zika RNA in the blood serum two weeks. And 5% showed the presence at uh, 54 days, so that's about two months. And that's a surprise, because we had had them say that it was eliminated from the blood fairly uh, early. But... Uh, Zika is persistent, and it isn't infectious in many ways. It's not just from mosquito to person. It's person to person. And uh, we have given you all sorts of ways to protect yourself, and you need to follow those, and you need to protect your young girls. Yeah, for example, let's start off with the simplest ones. One is if you or your partner, sexual partner, travels to these areas, uh, unless you can prove that there's, like a male, within six months there's still a remote chance that they can transmit if they pick up Zika virus and they go to an endemic area. So if even transitorily they show a positive PCR test, you have to assume up to six months they could transmit it even if it's 5%. Uh, number two, women can have it clear from their blood, but their endocervix like this uh, Guadalupe Island in the Caribbean, they found it at six months, they still found positive PCR in the endocervix. So it means it may persist for many months. We don't know how many months in women. And if so, it's probably going to persist in their uterus. So, as you mentioned, 40% of babies could be affected. Uh, the third area is we're not tracking these people so their partners of their partners can get sex and get infected without being bitten by a mosquito to non-endemic areas where it's not the southern U.S. So uh, because we're not doing that, we're going to get a burden of more and more cases. And as you mentioned, that r not score it's going to increase not only endemic areas, but non-endemic areas until it's a very large percentage of the population, which could take years, but it's still very deadly. And we don't know if the virus also under whatever circumstances gets an RNA virus. This RNA viruses under stress in the host have a chance of mutating much faster than DNA viruses, which is probably what happened with the Oxitec X513A gene, that it created gene imbalances and oxidative stress, which is why it mutated 15 base pairs and made it much more neurotropic and dangerous uh, because it's changed definitely in terms of the numbers and the kind of people infected and how deadly it is. So, And it's only t- 15 base pairs out of 10,000, so you don't need to change it a lot for things to really go south. Yes. In the Zika, uh, like uh, Dr. Daniel says, is that uh, even if you're in Minnesota, that doesn't mean you're protected. I mean, right. why... You know, we, we, 
uh, public health uh, took care of the people who came from Western Africa, and they followed them. They got their home address, and they notified their local health department. And our local health department then called them up and said, you have these symptoms. We want you to take your temperature every day. We want you to do this or that. And uh, they didn't really have to go into the health department. All they had to do was call in and give them the report. And we didn't do that with Zika. We had uh, people coming back from endemic zones, and uh, there was no tracing at all. None whatsoever. But even only about, uh, I think you said like one-fifth actually showed symptoms or less, one-tenth, which means the numbers are actually ten times more. So you don't necessarily have someone with fever or diaphoretic symptoms or pains or, you know, myalgias. So uh, we should have done several things. We should have done that kind of tracking for symptomatic, but we also should have done PCR testing and uh, just contact screening to say, hey, uh, we need to go back, and in these women, we should do a PCR test of the endocervix with their gynecologist. That would have been easy done. They just have a kit, send it out to the doctors. The doctors can send it off to the CDC, and then they can find, oh, this woman was negative in her blood, but her PCR test was positive. Uh, they should also, these women, if they or their partners have been in these places, they should barrier techniques like female or male condoms. Uh, you know, those are real simple things to do that would decrease the risk of transmission because people don't take this seriously until it's a real big problem. It's like AIDS. This is like, it is an AIDS-like thing where they didn't think it was going to really get a lot of people, in it, and it's very deadly and dangerous. Well, not only that, they've been working on the vaccine for AIDS for uh, 30 years, and they still don't have one. Yeah, do you know the reason Okay, why? I want to tell you. The reason why they don't work, it doesn't work, is AIDS, again, is um, is a type of virus, and so on that's not going to manifest a stable antibody complex is going to get it. Remember, it's an RNA virus, too. Right? All right. Um I ran across an interesting article. They're uh-huh. doing retrospective analysis of the uh, 2014 Ebola epidemic in West Africa. Right. And they are blaming super spreaders. And they say that uh, they came out with this statistic. 3% of the people infected with Ebola were ultimately responsible for infecting 61% of all cases. Wow. Now, this is from tracking then, right? They must have tracked these people and worked well, out their retro- contact. It, they were, it was retrospective. Wow. Retrospective analysis, and they could only use the bodies that had been buried properly. So there were, this is low. <laughs> there might be even, even more. Yeah. Uh, but they can't go into those uh, graves that weren't uh, done properly because there's too much. Uh, there could be spread, and probably is spread of Ebola. Right. Anyway, uh, we've talked about super spreaders before, and you remember the fellow in Utah right. who uh, they termed him a super spreader of Zika. Right. And his caretaker came down with Zika, and they when they uh, when they did a test on his blood, they found that he had a higher viral load than they ever thought was possible. So that's what they call a super spreader: is somebody who grows the the virus, and they've got so much virus in them, you're likely to catch it from them. Right. Now, we don't know how many super spreaders there are with Zika, but certainly that's something they're going to be looking at. And we do know they characterize this one man in Utah as a super spreader. Now, super spreaders have also been 
uh, uh, implicated in the spread of severe acute respiratory syndrome, and that was SARS in 2003, and the more recent Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, COV, in 2012. And uh, the medical community, the public health community, has not, um, well, they just don't have the uh, apparatus to check for super spreaders. (laughs) You know, if they find Zika in your blood, it's just, it's there or it isn't there. It isn't like they tried to tell you, well, you've got a viral load in your blood, and we're going to have to counsel you, and we're going to have to quarantine you. They don't do any of that. Right. All right. But we do have some some good news. Remember when I talked about the strep outbreak in Alaska? And uh, then they kind of dropped off the map. And this is a new... This is a new strain of the group A streptococcus bacteria, right. and um, they, uh, the health workers have uh, decided they're going to have to keep going. Uh, the outbreak started in Fairbanks, and Fairbanks, Alaska, is about in the middle of the state. And uh, it was uh, they found it in Fairbanks over the summer, and then it died down. Well, then it spread to Anchorage in the fall. I suppose there was some migration of the homeless. <laughs> from the middle of the state to the southern part of the state uh, during the winter. And uh, since October, there have been 7 to 10 severe cases. Now, severe means that they've hospitalized them. Uh, Since October, so you're talking about 50 or 60 people who are hospitalized, and uh, four people have died. And uh, 90% of the patients are homeless. I have a nice graphic. that say, well, how old are shelter deaths? I mean, we probably all have different ideas about how old people are who are homeless and live in shelters. And at least a fifth of them are under 30 years old. Wow. They're fairly young. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at least two-fifths of them are between 30 and 50 years old. So that's a young cohort. Right. And uh, uh, maybe... um, 15 or 16 are, uh, 16% are, are between 50 and 64, and then 65 plus, there were only three. Well, these are hard living conditions. Right. You know, even if you live in a shelter. And uh, so what they do, um, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're telling the people, the public, that they shouldn't worry, but uh, because these homeless people are the people that are carrying it, and we're taking... Now, I really don't like this statement. As many steps as we can to try to control it there. <laughs> well, it's like saying, well, we're going to, we're going to put these guys in isolation. <laughs> you know. Well, they and, are in a sense uh, because the climate's so bad, you've got to stay in the, in the building or facility. Because, you know, one of my friends in Alaska said, you know, Alaska is 10 months of winter, one month of melting, and one month of the snow starting again. Well, that's true. But all the same, uh, it's you, you can't, you know, the way you treat the poorest members of your society is an indication of how of uh, how ethical you are. Anyway. Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's a good statement on America, isn't it, with the most expensive health care and probably the poorest health care out of 37 or whatever major first and second world nations. It's uh, pretty disgusting. Okay. And uh, what the... 
what the uh, public intelligence service officers do is uh, they go to uh, they go out to the clinics and they hand out single dose antibiotics. And I just saw a uh, movie called Hacksaw Ridge. And, uh, you know, when you're out on a medic in a battlefield, that's what you do. You give them a single-dose morphine shot. Right. And then you try to get them out of the battle. Right. But anyway, they're not handing out what we would consider an adequate dose of antibiotics. In other words, a multi-dose pack or something, right? A single dose. That's all they're getting. Yeah, that's not good. That's adequate. In fact, that'll create resistant strains if it's possible, right? Uh, well, this is a brand new strain, and so nobody has antibodies for it. Uh, so they, they're they're saying everybody who gets it will get it. Now, some people are going to show the symptoms, and some people won't. But all they're giving these people is single dose antibiotics. They're not giving them a twenty-one day. Yeah, that's not reasonable, is it? That's actually a form of eugenics. It means you get a dose, the organism takes off, it kills you, and then, of course, you're taken out of the ability of being able to spread it because you're dead. Right. You're off to the corner and, and either or either go to a mass grave or you're cremated and you're no longer a spreader. And they also hand out antiseptic uh, washes. Right. And, uh, you know, that's just not adequate for streptococcus, especially a brand new streptococcus variety that nobody has any antibodies to. And I suspect that this is going to spread. Well, if I was to take an overall picture of all the different spreading organisms that are going between humans and animals like pigs and these type of super spreader, things like in Zika virus and other organisms, the emergence of H7N9 in China, 40% fatality rate compared to 2.5 in 1918 pig flu. Uh, the future is dark. How's that? Yeah. You, your husband, your wife, your children, we all need food. And with dozens of food storage companies buying up airtime all over radio, it's hard for you to know which company you can actually trust. Hey folks, John Stattmiller here. We at RBN understand, which is why I personally searched out a storable food company and one with similar core values to us here at RBN and of course you, the listener. Well, I found such a company. I'd like to introduce you to Numana Food Storage. Numana Food Storage, highly nutritious, GMO-free, contains no aspartame, no high fructose corn syrup, has no chemical preservatives or soy, and Numana Food Storage has a 25-year shelf life. To back up my claims, we've made Numana Food Storage the exclusive food sponsor of RBN. Call 888-597-0775, 888-597-0775. Order online at numanarepublic.com. That's N-U-M-A-N-N-A, republic.com. Food storage you'll love to eat. Oh, fall. My favorite time of year. Cooler temperatures and, well, let's be honest, layers. Lots and lots of layers. Look, I get it. We all have that favorite hoodie. Matter of fact, I've got a few favorite hoodies. You should wear yours. Enjoy it. I do. But I stay focused on my health year-round. And for me, I take Nature's Youth RSF from naturesyouth.com. Nature's Youth RSF from naturesyouth.com. I eat right, control my portion sizes, still maintain a commitment to regular fitness, and I get plenty of rest, and I take Nature's Youth RSF. It's okay to cover up your beach body for a few months, but don't just forget about it. Nature's Youth understands exactly what it means to provide top-quality health products, and Nature's Youth customers not only improve their health, they know they're also providing their body with the right nourishment to maintain peak performance levels and fight the aging process. 
So layer up and get started today with Nature's Youth RSF. Nature'sYouth.com. Simple to use, even simpler to order. Go to Nature'sYouth.com. That's Nature'sYouth.com. Would odors, mold, and mildew describe your basement or crawl space? It doesn't have to be that way. Transform them into a fresh, healthy, usable one with a technologically advanced Wave Moisture Control Units. The computerized operation maximizes moisture control and also expels harmful radon, combustion gases, and numerous other pollutants. Dehumidifiers are old technology that do nothing for air quality and waste energy. Wave units are intelligent, self-monitoring, do not need maintenance, and will save you hundreds in electricity. Wave units are still running a Effectively over 15 years, they've been tested and installed in public and military housing and by property managers nationwide. Buy a unit now, and if your home is not fresher and drier, you can return it for a full refund for up to 12 months. What have you got to lose? Call now, 1-888-618-WAVE, 1-888-618-WAVE, or visit MyDryHome.com. That's MyDryHome.com. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. Interesting, uh, and you have an article we want to talk about here called "Noxious Weed or uh, Chinus Terabinifolia Radii," and apparently it's a uh, noxious uh, weed that has some very therapeutic properties. It's interesting. It's a uh, um, talk about it to explain what yeah, this is. I, by the way, I pulled up on PubMed four articles. On I couldn't see anything in Green Med Info, and I have a membership there to look through their database. But PubMed has four articles published worldwide on this. Uh, they call it the Brazilian pepper. And, yes, pepper uh, tree. Yes. Yeah. And it was used, traditional healers in the Amazon have uh, used the Brazilian pepper tree for hundreds of years, hundreds of years, to treat infections of the skin and soft tissues. Well, it made its way into uh, Florida, California, Texas, and the other <laughs> southern tier of states. And it's classified as a Category 1 pest plant uh, by the Florida Exotic Pest Plant Council. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but when uh, Emory University, now Emory University is associated with the National Institutes of Health, NIH, and we know Dr. Fauci very well from right. the good work that he did with the Ebola patients. And uh, so the Emory University, they were, they, uh, I guess somebody finally said, "Well, the traditional healers used it. Let's see what we can let's see what they did." And uh, so one of the one of the uh, uh, lab- laboratory people there uh, broke it down and tested it on bacteria, human skin cells, and in animals. Now we're talking about the berries. Now this, I'm going to talk about something else later. Right. But right now we're talking about these red berries that grow. And uh, so what they did. Uh, was that they they uh, broke it down and it worked in an unexpected way. It's it's not an antibiotic. It's called a quorum quencher. Now we know what a quorum is. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, yeah, quorum. What it does is it keeps the cells, the uh, MRSA cells, from talking to each other. Isn't that neat? 
So supposedly, if you get skin-eating disease, which is a staph infection, and right, right. and uh, you could you could whatever they I don't think they've figured out what the active ingredient is yet. Right. But it stops the communication between and among bacteria. And we have talked about uh, mob reaction in uh, in earlier uh, sessions. And um, mob reaction is, if, if there's a mob, you want to get away from it. Because if you don't, you'll get caught up in it. It's one of those things that uh, isn't uh, throughout biology. In fact, we talked about locusts. And uh, when, they, when they decide that they're going to uh, become a swarm, they actually change. Their physical characteristics change. They get bigger. They get bigger wings. They... They no longer mate. They just, you know, they and then they take off and they swarm. Right. And people, people are subject to the same kind of thing. Now, I don't think we actually change our personalities or anything, but we want to belong. And when you're in a mob, you're just carried along with it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the same thing with apparently with uh, staff, and uh, especially these MRSA the ones that are methicillin resistant, and they talk to each other. Now, what does she mean? They talk to each other. Of course, they don't have mouths. What's she talking about? What I'm talking about is something that we studied recently about the brown food net. That is, in the soil, uh, one plant will communicate with an adjacent plant, and may not even know that our adjacent plant is there, by the way. But it sends out a chemical signal. And when the, another plant gets it, it will uh, trigger that plant to either grow towards the first plant or away from it. So there's different chemical signals. And that's where you're just using the word talking. They're not really talking. It's <laughs> just a chemical signal for them to uh, work together or not. And... Uh, they said that the little red berries of the Brazilian pepper tree produces a group of compounds that stops this communication between these bacteria. And um, I'm going to tell you about another one that they found, but not right now. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, I don't, she says, I don't want people to go out and try putting random berries on their skin. Well, the pertinent word there is random. We're not talking about random. We're talking about Brazilian pepper tree. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the one thing I pulled up on PubMed was it has some effect on uh, some copper compounds that are uh, oh. tied, that basically regulate uh, a thing called uh, the polyphenols containing effect copper uh, bisinic cholinic complexes. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are 
are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. You've probably heard about all the great benefits of goat milk soap. But did you know, some companies take shortcuts. At Old New England Soap, we make our organic goat's milk soap using 36% goat's milk. That's 17% more than most others. Our bars are larger, so they last longer, producing lots of lather packed with vitamins. And our soap is a natural moisturizer that smooths dry and damaged skin. Order online at oldnysoap.com. That's oldnysoap.com. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. OldNESoap.com. Water-based soaps on supermarket shelves use harsh chemical acids to break down dead skin cells. And that's just not good for you. At Old New England Soap, our soaps are made without chemical ingredients, contain no alcohol or petroleum products, and use 85% organic materials and carry the USDA's organic certification. Try some today. Go to OldNESoap.com. That's OldNESoap.com. OldNESoap.com. It's time for you to have your own custom smartphone app for your business and pay way less than you can imagine. Introducing the I Can Get To Silent Salesman mobile marketing app, a global mobile marketing and communication tool for your business. Go to appsapart.com and learn how you could earn up to $36,351 or more per month just by inviting two people or less into a $14.95 per month program. Go to appsapart.com and be sure to watch the video at the top of the site and listen to the audio message from the CEO near the bottom. This is something you won't want to miss. Go to appsapart.com now or call 646-860-9540. That's 646-860-9540. Get the I Can Get Too. That's I-C-A-N-G-E-T, the number two, silent salesman app at appsapart.com. That's A-P-P-S-A-P-A-R-T.com. Without the right accessories, any guy can be off the mark. Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal or you own a single trusted firearm, a visit to aroutfitting.com is in order. It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. Aroutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more. Plus magful clips and magazines. I know I've got you excited, so take a breath. Head to AirOutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at AirOutfitting.com. Welcome back. Um, 
Uh, one of the stories I noticed in my list, uh, that I think it's down another story, because you have one here, biosecurity on poisonous cyanide gland of the greenhouse millipede. But you have a yeah. story here, biosecurity on chimeras and CRISPR-Cas9. Uh, yeah. This is right out of the Isle of Dr. Moreau, and I don't think people realize that we're on the precipice of things that even the Vatican said we're on the precipice of immoral- immortality. It's also immorality, where we literally <laughs> can destroy the uh, possibility. The, the Japanese, for example, are already promising their citizens of northern Japan that they don't need to worry about having a normal child. They'll grow them in a laboratory. And the Japanese are probably the most advanced with artificial uterine growth of fetuses of anybody on the planet. They're also doing research in, in Beijing, China, and here in America, in underground labs, have been doing it for decades, since the 70s. I tracked down one lab in George Washington University and also labs in Italy where they've been doing work since the 70s on this. And they were quite successful. They were able to grow artificial uteri uh, with fetuses up to 20th week, which is where they really get in trouble legally. And... Uh, so the idea of the Casper, uh, uh, the CRISPR-Cas9 kind of protocol, doing gene editing, it can be used for good. So you can find out the gene defects of a person. And as I mentioned earlier, that uh, there's a company here in San Diego County within uh, two to five years said they will have the price of doing your entire human genome, 32,000 alleles, in under $100. That means everybody will be able to know what genes are wrong. And then if you do... Things like these gene editing techniques, you can actually correct someone's genes to whether it's diabetes or dyslipidemia or God knows what. I got a consult yesterday from a gentleman who wants me to took into a gene deletion of chromosome two in their child and want me to do an analysis. And I, you know, I'll try anything. Okay, I like to untie Gordian knots, so I'm going to get as much as I can from 23andMe and Prometheus and look at organic acid analysis from day, say Dr. William Shaw's lab and. Overland Park, Kansas, who used to work for March of Dimes, and I'll try to untie the Gordian knot of what metabolic things are going on and what supplements we can do or other technologies to overcome that. But eventually, we're going to have these uh, gene editing technologies to literally cure every illness you can think of, and it won't be that difficult in the next 5 to 20 years. If you have a genetic you can, disorder, it'll all be treatable. You can order the CRISPR-Cas9 uh, to your specifications over-the-counter, and you don't have to be a medical person or a laboratory worker or anybody. You can just be somebody that wants to try it out in your garage. And uh, they've made it so cheap. So, yes, there's going to be a lot of that. Uh, um, well, I guess we would have at one time called it back alley abortions, but it's going to be uh, it's, it's scary what they might come up with. Well, Listen, back I want alley to genetic engineering. About the, yeah, yeah, please. I want, to talk, I want to talk, reach out to our preppers. Now, the preppers need to, they, they must realize that if there is civil disorder or the down put of the grid or whatever, you won't be able to get medicines. There's no way, because as soon as that happens, as soon as martial law is established, all the drugstores will give their drugs to the Red Cross. That's what happens. That happens every time. Right. And uh, so you won't be able to get drugs except through the Red Cross. And so it's important that you learn how to uh, use nature to heal yourself. And uh, this is so I'm, I'm asking everybody who's a prepper that they get one of these uh, seedlings of this uh, Brazilian pepper uh, tree and grow them and then uh, uh, have it on hand. It could even be a barter item. Uh, and uh, it obviously worked in Brazil, 
with the local medical practitioners, and uh, I don't think we could do any worse. Now, the other thing is that there was a uh, this this uh, Emory University team. They found another uh, natural uh, uh, sub, uh, substance in 2015. And they reported that the leaves of the, now this is a different tree altogether, completely different tree, the leaves of the European chestnut tree. And what they do is they, uh, they take that, the leaf, so it's the leaf, not the berry, the right. leaf of the European chestnut tree, and uh, that can similarly disarm staphid bacteria. So you want to get that too. The, f- the first one, the Brazilian pepper tree, you may have trouble Growing in your local in your local area because there are uh, because it's considered invasive, but it isn't. It, it's something you need in your armory. Okay, let's go on down and get back to uh, what Doctor Deagle was talking about. Uh, how far down was that? That was the article about the uh, genetic engineering, uh, which is oh, yeah. chimeras and ca- CRISPR Cas9. I mean. Uh, two years ago, by the way, in Britain at a special conference, they announced that they can have a child with 34 potential parents. And uh, people need to know that while they're announcing these things in 2016, uh, when I was recruited uh, to work with uh, Dr. Wallace Tortolot uh, many, many years ago, we're talking about <laughs> a long time ago, uh, back in 1978 at the UCLA and the VA hospital, they were already doing genetic engineering work and they were trying to create female fetuses and doing gene editing back then so they probably have had some pretty advanced technology for a long time these things are now open and people should realize this means you can transfer genes from different phyla phyla species and genera uh, into humans or human embryos and create new chimeras now dr seed believe it or not that's really his name he's a physicist in chicago who's got a corporation called seed corporation that's a like a b movie but believe it or not it's real and they want to grow pigs that are genetically engineered to be or HLA histocompatibility locus antigen for multi-organ transplants of kidneys, liver, heart, etc. And they want to grow these pigs with a genetically engineered embryo with your uh, genes inserted into them, like with these technologies, so they can actually do multi-organ transplants that don't need anti-rejection drugs. That's creepy, but it's really happening. Okay. Uh, I, have an, I have a nice uh, picture here. And I'm going to explain it, which I hope it will be, <laughs> I hope you'll be able to understand this. Yeah, we'll see it on they the video. We'll do it later. Ha- yeah. yeah, they have a. They want. We want. What they want to do is what Dr. Diggle said. They want to be able to grow human organs in pigs. Well, they haven't been able to do that. But there's a new study out, and they said, for instance, and they have a nice graph here. They have a white rat, and uh, they use the native uh, cells the primary cells, and they take a brown mouse, and they will get chimerism. That is, right. it'll be a mouse, but it'll have parts of the rat in it. So that means that it's uh, a different species because they don't interbreed. Right. Now, if they take a white rat, and they use the same native cells, and uh, they try to put in a pig cell, they don't get chimerism. So they, you know, it just turns out to be an ugly-looking pig. <laughs> uh-huh. But and so they were trying to do that for humans, which is what Dr. Deagle was saying, and they solved the problem. So this is this is going to open the way 
What they took was, well, they have it colored here in ivory, a human figure. And they instead of using the native cells, they're using a part of the native cells. In other words, it's, they've changed it so that it's, um, uh, I forget what the ISP is, but it's a, a interspecies blastocyst uh, from the human. And they mix that with the pig uh, DNA, and they get chimerism. So this is the first time that they've been able to grow human organs or cells in a pig embryo. Right. And uh, that's going to open the door for them to, uh, like he said, um, provide organs for transplant. Right, because there's a big shortage of it. And, um, And they'll do this. I mean, did you know that the drug trade in organs is bigger than the drug trade for all the illegal drugs on the planet in terms of total dollars. The actual trade in organs worldwide is much bigger total dollar value than all the drug trade on the planet. That's a lot of money. Well, I had heard that there were people that uh, woke up in Las Vegas uh, with a scar on their stomach (laughs) and missing a kidney. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've actually had stories from my doctor colleagues outside Atlanta and in Las Vegas where usually it's some youngster in their teens wakes up out of a stupor and they get a funny scar and they go to the hospital and the doctors scan them and they say, oh my gosh, you don't have a kidney on that side. Yeah, that's a very common thing. And they think that the reason that uh, children disappear is they get caught up in that, you know, all of our medical records are in databases now. Right. And if somebody's looking for a particular type of blood or whatever they're looking for, then uh, they'll find that person and they'll kidnap them. And by the way, uh, I went to Building 10 at Oak Ridge National Labs, and they were working with Affymetrix out of Chicago. And at that time in 1999, they actually uh, had uh, worked on a DNA biochip with DNA endonuclease from bacteria. So they could subtype you with a laptop and this little biochip, literally with a micro drop. That's 100 for the drop of blood in five yeah. minutes. And uh, people need to know that the Virtual World Project is working on your world ID, and it is like a 666, but part of the idea is that the code numbers actually code for your tissue type, just like if you go to a Lao Dai camp in China. So when someone sees your world ID, it actually tells you what tissue type and what organs can be transplanted from you. So in other words, your, uh, your identification in this new world financial system will tell you what tissues of your body could be transplanted to someone else. So it's not just fingerprints anymore, or even retinal scans. No, no, it's not. And I saw this back uh, now 18 years ago, 1999, and so the technology at that time was 42 cents a chip. I'm sure it's even less than that. They were trying to get data under 5 cents a chip. And uh, even to get access to specifically highly secure areas of U.S. uh, intelligence agencies or underground facilities, you had to not just do a retinal scan or digital fingerprints, uh, they were going to do a DNA biochip uh, scan to see if you were the other person because you could wear false fingerprints on your finger or even a false, uh, you know, what they called the uh, corneal, uh, you know, um, lens thing to, to make people think you have a different cornea or iris. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so yeah. there's a way of actually scamming the machines with false fingerprints. If you saw some of these shows, you know, on television and on the movies now, say, oh, 
somebody has these false fingerprints and they, they get somebody else's fingers, they can do that now, believe it or not. They can put some stuff on your fingers and make it look like you're someone you're not. And the scanner will mistake you as someone else because you got these false fingerprints. I think I saw that on um, yeah, one of yeah. those cold case stories. Oh, okay, yeah. I want to uh, go on to another prepper tip. Uh-huh. If, if you're through with this, although I do have a question, and we talked about this interspecies chimerism, but I don't know where to classify these Japanese scientists who are using insect-sized drones put in the sticky gel to fertilize flowers. I don't even know where to put that in our list of things. It, it's not, it is part of biosecurity um, because it changes natural, uh, the, the natural ecology that we live in. I mean, bees do more than pollinate flowers. <laughs> you know, when God made bees, he just didn't make them to pollinate flowers. He made them to make honey. And in fact, honey was the only way that people had sweet food in, uh, before they found the new world. And then or they or found even drink. Bee. I mean, all, all the initial uh, beer was honey meat. Yeah, yeah. For days, thousands of years. Yes. So obviously you're not going to do that with drones. But I don't you know. You wonder why that. they would do that. I mean, the, the Japanese have got an interesting kind of, kind of bizarre inventive mind. And they're able to, to kind of do things that other cultures and other people don't. Same in, by the way, there's similar people in South Korea. They're incredibly inventive. I mean, I have in my computer, just put in a new four, four terabyte uh, Samsung drive, and they're like at the peak of many areas of high-tech development and genetic engineering. You can actually, if you want to get a bone marrow of your dog, you can repat them. And the company already sends your bone marrow to a lab in South Korea, and they'll send it back and they insert genes so when the pet's born, it's got fluorescent nails, so you can tell it was oh, yeah. genetically engineered by this company. And you look and say, oh, my gosh, your doggy has got fluorescent nails. If you turn off the lights, it's because they've been genetically engineered by this company in South Korea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's creepy, yeah, but these guys these guys are smart, man. They're, they can do stuff. And I'm wondering, well, I don't even know the reason why they do this. I mean, are they worried about the ideas that the bees are all dying because of uh, of Wi-Fi well, networks and all the they, other stuff? Yeah. I mean, what, what, what are they what, doing that for? That's what they said. They said that they were doing it because uh, uh, because they want artificial pollinators because they're having a declining honeybee population. And they think that these robotic pollinators <laughs> could be trained to learn pollination paths using global positioning systems and artificial intelligence. Well, oh, man, that's, that's, that's kind of strange. By the way, if you, actually, if you see... Bill Gates, uh, I think it was three years ago, he actually released mosquitoes that were genetically engineered. He said to his audience, you are all been vaccinated. Oh, and yeah. And what he said, said there in this meeting, this is up in, I think, San Francisco, and there were people who were creeped out by it because you can actually create an insect factor to insert genetics, not just antigens or whatever, but insert genetics to modify the genetics of the people after they've been bitten by an insect. Well, this brings up to mind the cyanide gland that you mentioned. And uh, what they did was that they have, you know, people have new instruments now in their laboratories. And so this was done in, um, where was it done? Someplace in the United States in one of the laboratories at Pennsylvania State University. And so right. one of the graduate students, he said, she said, 
that, uh, uh, you know, we haven't looked at uh, millipedes yeah. with our new instrumentation. You know, everything else was prior. It was all paper. <laughs> and so they, they started looking at it, and they discovered that this particular millipede uh, produces cyanide as a defense mechanism because if you eat it, then you die. And, wow. uh, yeah, it has a precursor in one of the glands, and when it feels threatened, what it does is it sends out the precursor, and then there's another gland that turns the precursor into cyanide. Well, this is called uh, uh, brown uh, food web. This is the brown. They don't eat, these millipedes don't eat the green leaves. They're down there on the ground eating the things that are dead. But for a farmer out in the field, all he sees is a millipede. And he doesn't understand that millipedes are functioning in the, uh, in the uh, brown ecology, uh, the brown food web, and uh, benefiting his plants. Right. So, so, so they have to be careful. They, they need to be more careful in applying their insecticides. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, well, when in other words, they're going to release cyanide, and the cyanide will get into the, what the other food, uh, etc. Is that what you're saying? Hadn't thought about that. I, I guess. Yeah, it's going to persist. They... So you don't wonder if it will persist and get into the plants to the roots. Oh, that's interesting. We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants, and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers, have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We, who in the 1950s, the 1960s, and 1970s were the world's dominant force, are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. You, your husband, your wife, your children, we all need food. And with dozens of food storage companies buying up airtime all over radio, it's hard for you to know which company you can actually trust. Hey folks, John Stattmiller here. We at RBN understand, which is why I personally searched out a storable food company and one with similar core values to us here at RBN and of course you, the listener. Well, I found such a company. I'd like to introduce you to Numana Food Storage. Numana Food Storage, highly nutritious, GMO-free, contains no aspartame, no high fructose corn syrup, has no chemical preservatives or soy, and Numana Food Storage has a 25-year shelf life. To back up my claims, we've made Numana Food Storage the exclusive food sponsor of RBN. Call 888-597-0775, 888-597-0775. Order online at numanarepublic.com. That's N-U-M-A-N-N-A-Republic.com. Food storage you'll love to eat. 
Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutral the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. sense of uh, review i have something to do for a little while after the third hour so it'll be a little later that we get started doing our video probably about i would say uh, around an hour and a half uh, to two hours after the show ends uh, uh let's try tomorrow okay we'll do it tomorrow then so uh that'll be good because okay, i, I want to have adequate time it might take an hour and 20 minutes to cover all this material adequately with all your fancy pictures but talk about the prepper stuff my fancy pictures okay uh preppers uh, John Moore will tell you that if you have stuff to barter or trade, you will be a lot better off in the af- aftermath of whatever disaster we're going to be faced with. And mm-hmm. one of the things that's already happening due to global climate change is that the coffee beans are uh, diminishing. But because the population is is exceeding, is growing, so we have more people who want to drink coffee, but we have fewer beans being produced. And what they're doing is they're mixing the less desirable coffee beans with the more desirable ones. So they're making less desirable coffee. But you know the rich will get the best. Anyway, so we know that, the, uh, that there is a native plant to the United States. It's the only plant that's native to uh, North America that has that grow that develops caffeine and it's not a bean it's a completely different type of plant it's a bush or a small tree and it's not in any bean or anything it's in the leaves so what people are doing in texas i i got to looking at this because i thought well you know maybe i could grow some of this and then i'd have a barter tool and there's two companies down in Texas, and one of them goes out and just gathers the leaves from the wild. Uh, it's called Yupon uh, Holly, and it doesn't look like a holly. It isn't sickery or anything. It's a nice little tree, and it's got little leaves. And what you do is you just uh, harvest the leaves, not all of them, but you, you, know, you, pick, <laughs> you just kind of shake the tree and let them fall out. <laughs> and then you dry them at a certain temperature, and then you crush them, and then you mix them with water, and you will have a caffeine drink. And uh, depending on how um, long you roast them, you can have a dark drink that would look like uh, coffee. 
This is not chicory. Chicory does not have caffeine in it. Chicory was a way for people in New Orleans to sell you a cup of coffee that had less coffee in it but looked as strong. <laughs> okay? This is not chicory. This right. is uh, Yupon holly. It grows uh, along the southern tier of states. But I'm going to try to grow it here in Missouri. And I suggest you can buy You don't want the dwarf. The dwarf Yupon holly doesn't do this. You need the, the regular size. It's called Vomotus. I forget. <laughs> Eli Vomotus. <laughs> and uh, and uh, then the other company in Texas is actually building a plantation. And um, the uh, impact on the retail market is that uh, U.S. companies are starting to respond to the poor harvest and surges in coffee costs. And so if you want to get a head start, Plant these plants and start developing your uh, domestic caffeine. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Climate change and uh, changing crops, etc., and prices. That's amazing stuff. Thank you, Ann. Amazing program today. We'll uh, do a show tomorrow then. Uh, in the afternoon, we'll do another video. So if you've signed up to live stream, you'll get a notification when we're going to do our video. And uh, we have all these fancy pictures and all of Anne's great research and a great dialogue. And if you want to put in a question, just go to sign into Nutri Medical One, Nutri Medical Number One. Send me a request. If you are a customer, you'll be able to ask a question, uh, and we check you to see if you are. If you can, we'll respond and say, "Yeah, you can put a question on while we're live." Back tomorrow with Anne. Coming up, firing line. Your questions on health and wellness issues. Do you have difficulty taking supplements? Are you searching for a high-quality, complete nutritional drink that your whole family will love? Nutramedical's life support has arrived. All of your daily nutritional requirements in one quick, delicious drink. Dr. Bill Deagle's life support is a proprietary blend of vegan protein, activated vitamins, essential minerals, amino acids, probiotics, green tea, digestive enzymes, anti-inflammatories, cancer prevention, detoxification, and much more. Your body will high-five you for this one. Life support is the best, complete, nutritious meal replacement on the market. Whether you are an elite athlete, have post-operative challenges, chronic illness, elderly, or a family that just wants a quick, delicious drink, try Dr. Bill Deagle's Life Support for optimized nutrition in one great tasting smoothie. Just add cold water, almond milk, fruit, or anything else you like. Nutramedical's Life Support. Try our great tasting chocolate or vanilla today. Call 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. Nutramedical.com for the whole family. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.